Hi, everybody. A quick message before we begin today's podcast. We have just released a free mini training called How to Work with Labor Pain to Have a Positive Birth Experience. Stay tuned for the end of the episode for more information. Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome back to our wonderful listeners. Today's going to be a very interesting uh, topic. We are going to be exploring psychedelics, um, specifically ketamine as it relates to a treatment modality. Um, My guest today is Angela Ward. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here with you. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've heard talks of this on various other podcasts that I listen to. There seems to be a lot of, you know, talk about this area. And so I want to kind of talk about it, you know, from a healthcare perspective. Um, So, but maybe before we jump into that, like, Tell us a little about a little bit about you and the you know your back your training background to build this context. Like, what got you into this? Why would you even want to talk to me about this? I think that's a <laughs> yeah. great great yeah. question. So my name is Angela Ward. I'm a registered nurse. I'm practicing in Washington State. I also work as a nurse coach in private practice with a special special emphasis in psychedelic assisted therapy, working with ketamine specifically. My background is. I have been a birth worker, labor and delivery nurse and doula for many, many years. And I had a child of my own who passed away at about six months old from complications related to a congenital heart defect, which was profoundly traumatic. I was diagnosed with PTSD after that experience, of course, normal grieving, but then just the ongoing triggerings around it. I did a bunch of work to to manage that part of my life and then had an opportunity at one point in my healing journey to experience the psychedelic medicine that I found so profoundly healing 
for me in resolving my grief and resolving my trauma that I was very, very motivated to learn how to bring this work forward in service of healing people, particularly with trauma. I'm also very interested in working with birth trauma and and perinatal bereavement. That's a special, special kernel of love that I, people I really like to care for in that arena. So I looked for ways that I could expand my knowledge and bring this forward out from the underground into more legitimate ways of working with it. I was, um, I enrolled at the Certificate in Psychedelic Assisted Therapy and Research Program at the California Institute of Integral Studies. Uh, I was in the second year cohort in 2017, and it was absolutely incredible. I was with people that were well-established in their careers, healthcare professionals, mental health professionals, uh, chaplains, uh, social workers, other nurses, all really looking at how can we forward psychedelic medicine. Yeah, I see that it's like a really big, it, it's like really starting to come become more like talked about in mainstream. I, I mean, I'm thinking about like the Tim Ferriss podcast. And of course, Joe Rogan mm-hmm. talks about psychedelics all the time, maybe not so much in the health field, right? Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of research and a lot of money that's going into this type of research. And if I understand from their kind of research was like in the 50s, up until the 50s, I think, or something like that. There, you know, there was ongoing research, but then it got stopped because the drugs were quote unquote illicit. And so the research kind of stopped for a really, really long time and is now like starting to pick up steam again. That's right. Yeah. Actually, it was the Nixon administration that created the scheduling of drugs and it was made illegal in uh, the early 1970s. And up until that point, there was a lot of promise using different psychedelics for working with alcoholism, for working with depression, for working with all kinds of different uh, challenges. And then in the early 80s, MDMA had been used up until that point in therapy, oftentimes for couples therapy and things like that, and was made illegal, a schedule one drug for the RAVE Act in the mid 80s. And research effectively stopped until the mid 90s when Rick Strassman started experimenting with DMT and kind of opened the research gates again, which is really exciting. There are ongoing studies using classical psychedelics as well as MDMA in the treatment of trauma, treatment of addictions, treatments of end of life distress related to cancer. There's some studies going on with uh, people with people on the autism spectrum. And there's ongoing work with with ketamine specifically. So there's some really amazing opportunities emerging. I think it's a really profound medicine to help people heal in many, many ways. Can we chat about, because you sort of said like there's, um, like, because usually when you think of psychedelics, you're thinking like um, LSD or maybe like or the or um, like the traditional like peyote or or um, ayahuasca or DMT. Like those were sort of more the traditional, you know, psychedelics or magical mushroom. Can we talk about like the spectrum of psychedelics and like what they are for people because people are like what is dmt like what are you guys talking <laughs> what are you guys talking <laughs> about 
what we're talking about mostly are the tryptamines. There is a particular type of molecule that tends to work on the serotonin receptors. My specialty is not in the neurobiology of it, but it's uh, fascinating how it seems to work in that way. Most of these work on that particular receptor site. And what they seem to do is quiet our standard method of thinking and allow for novel connection, new ways of thinking. They also are what are called nonspecific amplifiers. So depending on what kind of mood people are in when they go into a psychedelic experience, it tends to really bring up the underlying environment in a much more robust way. So if someone is processing grief, for example, it tends to really amplify that experience really because it needs to just be met and engaged and and felt. And oftentimes after moving through experiencing grief or experiencing moving through a fear place or even moving through joy, it just kind of can become more embodied and less a rigid way of thinking or being in the world, which is really a powerful healing method. I would also like to include that cannabis can be a powerful psychedelic, although not in a classical, the classic psychedelic method, but higher doses of cannabis. I'm sure some people have had that experience. And although MDMA is not a psychedelic, it is considered an empathogen, it does also share some really powerful ways of changing fear patterns and trauma out of really active phases and putting it into long-term memory storage, helping people to integrate and embody their experiences. So like what, because you mentioned cannabis and classical psychedelics. I just want to talk about maybe like what is currently in the research, like actually being used that's legal, what is sort of in research, but like not considered like for common, I don't want to even say common use for therapeutic use, like what's being, what's in the research realm, what's actually being used in therapeutic. And of course you're in the U S we're here in Canada. So that might be very different. So um, I'm just curious, like what's, what's sort of like legal and like actually being used in therapy and like, what's still in research. Sure. I'll speak about what I know of the U.S. So technically everything in the United States is currently schedule one, which means that there is a high potential for addiction and known shown medical value. And that even includes cannabis. Hmm. And yet we know in the United States, there are different states and cities that have decriminalized um, all kinds of drugs, as well as some states cannabis is legal for recreational as well as well as medical use so it varies significantly the only psychedelic that is fda approved i I can't even really say like that it's it's a legal drug is ketamine okay so ketamine is the only one that we're able to work with officially as a psychedelic medicine other ones are in research studies being used in different studies in different ways. And then in Oregon, for example, with the decriminalization through the state, they're looking at being able to offer psilocybin-assisted therapy, magic mushroom therapy for people there. I'm not sure in Canada. I thought they decriminalized a little bit up there as well. Well, cannabis so, is cannabis is decriminalized for mm-hmm. uh, recreational. Well, it, mm-hmm. it was available for med- medical. Now it's uh, open for, for recreational. I don't actually know 
where things stand in terms of the other um, what we would consider drugs. I don't know what's what what is what is legal. Well, what's ketamine, not. ketamine in Canada is trickier. There is some groups of people working to make it a little less restrictive right now. My understanding is in Canada, it's, it has to be used in a very specific context, uh, which I think is much more restrictive than really what we need and certainly not how we're working with it here in the States. So I'm hopeful that it'll become more accessible to you guys over time. Yeah. I'm really curious, like why, you know, what is sparking this interest in mental health? Like why, why are we going here anyways? Why? That's such a great question. We are in a time of the increasing diseases of despair. Mm. We're seeing increases in rates of suicide throughout the United States. I imagine in Canada as well, people are struggling with depression and anxiety, just overwhelming, overwhelming. Like I can't, I can't tell you how many people I talk to each day that either are suffering from one or both of those. And what we have right now doesn't work. It can work to some degree if we're talking about some people do thrive well with talk therapy. Some people do really well with medication, but many people don't want to just be in this ongoing model of constantly trying to have a pill you take every single day or having to talk to people every single week. Although I think that can be really beneficial and helpful in certain contexts. People, I think, are looking to have a radical shift in their thinking. And there's some evidence that the work that we can do with psychedelic medicines can be very effective and very compact, meaning we can move the material much more quickly with these medicines on board. I'm thinking trans... Yeah, I was it, something is coming to my mind. Sorry for interrupting, which is transcendence, transcending an experience, just like you had an experience that trans, you know, for like, I'm thinking kind of like PTSD. You have this experience mm-hmm. that transcends your entire life. And then you sort of feel like you can't move beyond that event. And I'm and I'm thinking like this could potentially be that uh, an offering, a potential offering of transcending to like post-traumatic growth, like transcending the, transcending the experience and experiencing it in a different way that allows your nervous system, your whole complete nervous system to shift from one state to another where you can now continue on with this new state. Absolutely. And I think another key component to that is oftentimes when people are experiencing trauma, they become really disembodied. The trauma becomes like they get get connect, disconnected from their bodies, their minds run away with them. And it, one of the wonderful things with psychedelic medicine is it seems to integrate those pieces back together, make it, make it an experience to be embodied. And through that process, it can allow people to kind of put the pieces together, weave it back together, and then shift the thought patterns around it, really tra- transcend the experience, but in a really gathered together way, not a not like escaping from it. Yeah. Not saying that you said that, but yeah. And it's making me think of like, when I read Bessel van der Klok's book, like um, Mm. the body keeps uh, the body keeps the score, right? It Mm -hmm. it is the body that holds the experience and governs all, you know, like, well, you need the mind and you need the body. Right. And what you're saying, if I'm understanding is like, when we disconnect, when we dissociate, when 
we want to move away from the pain, really, like the pain of the experience or the trauma, it makes it very difficult to, to move beyond that with two separate things. And so the embodiment piece, bringing the two together so they could reintegrate and then transcend. Yes, absolutely. And I think this is one of the reasons that using it in a therapeutic modality is really, really important because it's not just about the peak experience with the drug itself. It's being able to be held in a supportive container with, with guides, psychedelic therapists, uh, people like myself that can help people when they're in that state and maybe are shifting into that disembodied or fear state, if that's what we're working with, that we can get into the body, much like being in birth, you know, we need to open and shift the energy and move with it or maybe tone or maybe dive deeper into what's happening in order to process it and shift it, reintegrate the whole thing. Yeah. So why, why did your, like you, cause you're working ketamine assisted therapy. Is it because it's considered like, it's the legal one? Like, is that what? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I work with ketamine for a number of reasons. One, number one, it's legal for sure. That's, that's a huge thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's great. And the other thing I like about ketamine is it's slightly different than your classical psychedelics. It works on a different neurotransmitter system, and it also has really profound antidepressant qualities. So a lot of people I work with come to me with a huge list of medications that they've been put on in a desperate attempt to manage their depression and anxiety. And part of what they need to, part, a lot of my clients desire to at least come off some of them or like Restabilize on some of those. Ketamine is the only psychedelic that can be used in conjunction with other mood stabilizers. So you can't use classical psychedelics if you're taking an SSRI, for example, or an MAOI. So this one can be used in that way. And because it does carry an antidepressant effect for about two weeks after one administration, it allows us to kind of soften that patterning of depression and anxiety so people can then kind of put into action new behaviors and new ways of thinking that move them towards the health and wellness that they're hoping for. Can you, um, can you just tell us what ketamine is? Because I'm sure, sure there's people yeah. like, what actually, well, like, what is that exactly? I've heard it's a horse tranquilizer. So well, ketamine most, is a really- most people know I've heard it as like a horse tranquilizer. So that's why I want to like talk about it's it. Not, it's not actually a horse tranquilizer, although it is used in veterinary medicine. It is a it's in the United States, a anesthesia drug. It's used for anesthesia. It's very, very safe. It's used worldwide. It's been used, gosh, I think since the 60s was used in Vietnam on the battlefield because soldiers that were injured and needed to get back to a field hospital frequently, they could not receive morphine because morphine suppresses the breathing drive and the gag reflex, whereas ketamine does not. It's also a very powerful pain mediator. So uh, they would use ketamine instead to get people back to a place where they could do surgery or whatever. Uh, it's used in kids. <laughs> the World Health Organization recommends it as one of the most important drugs that all countries have for anesthesia. So the safety profile is pretty fantastic. There's not much, there's a few contraindications, but for the most part, it's a very safe medicine. But the thing that works so great about it is that less than anesthesia doses, 
it can cause at at a lower dose that would be more um, liminal, I suppose. You can take a lower dose that would keep us still more like conscious sedation, let's say. That seems to work in a similar way to MDMA, meaning that it can kind of soften that trauma response. MDMA softens the PTSD so it can be explored and integrated. The lower doses of ketamine allow us to also kind of explore in a relational way what's up for people, what's the trauma, how can we look at it in different ways. But at slightly higher doses, it can be a really profound psychedelic. Um, in my training, I've done extensive ketamine-assisted therapy trainings that they're experiential. So in my experience with ketamine, the first few times I used it, I had some really profound insights, but not a bunch of a psych psychedelic experience in that, not having a lot of visuals or things like that. But over time, I've developed more of a understanding of how to work with it and it's become more like visually psychedelic at least in my internal mind's eye not looking out in the room around me uh, and I find it to be really really helpful in quieting those thought patterns that might be looping mm. so at the higher doses it still allows this kind of general body relaxation that's the anesthesia quality it does allow a tiny bit of disassociation, meaning that if someone has a trigger, a trauma trigger, let's say, most of us that have had a PTSD experience will have an instant response once there's a trigger, right? It's immediately into fight or flight or immediately shut down. But ketamine seems to give a little space. A little buffer, the a trigger. buffer zone. Yeah, there's a little room there. So you don't have that immediate reaction, which allows us to then look at the trigger from a different angle. Oh, what's it like if I see what else is happening in this mm. place? And it also allows us to embody different ways of reacting to that trigger. So I think it's really fantastic in that way. And like, you have to go, like you mentioned, you did training in California. Like, is it um, like a series of trainings is like, a you know, are you just doing a weekend training? I assume there's a little <laughs> bit more that kind of goes into it just to kind of build a context that like, you know, you need to work with somebody like if you're going to go down this realm and you want to explore, like you have to work with somebody who's got the background, like some training in it, like you should make sure they have training in it. <laughs> Yes, and so the Certificate in Psychedelic Assisted Therapy and Research Program is working with all of the different medicines, and it's a very robust program. I've worked with Dr. Phil Wolfson and then with the Arinda Institute in BC, which one was a 10-day intensive, one was a two-week intensive, but this was with people that had already been working in the mental health field or had some psychedelic assisted therapy training and background. There are no regulations for working with ketamine in the States. It's, uh, it's already approved. It's being used off-label in this way. So uh, the only approved form of ketamine in the States is something called spravato or S-ketamine, which is obscenely overpriced. It's about $900 per dose. And that's just the medicine to be used in a very specific context. And it doesn't seem to show any more benefits than just regular ketamine, which is, you know, dollars per dose. So there's a bit of a wild west in the United States, anyone that understands it and can prescribe it. But in order to be most effective, I think having some kind of therapeutic training and understanding of how to be with people through the process of 
using it in a psychedelic assisted way can, can have a much better outcome than just using ketamine itself. That being said, however, ketamine is, as I said, a very profound antidepressant and can have benefits for people just as a standalone drug. Mm. But it's much more effective, I find, if we're able to use the, the benefits of the medicine and the milieu of the therapeutic relationship. Which allows, I assume, for further integration and discussion. And and if like things go wiry, because, you know, yeah. you, you, you probably, you probably want to have somebody close by who knows what to do. Absolutely. Um, and the reality, the reality of both of these is that no matter what one does, if anyone's doing a classical psychedelic, going to Peru and doing ayahuasca or what, or getting a ketamine infusion, the nature of shifting your brain is it is destabilizing. Even if we're moving towards a healthier way of being, it is, it can rock your life up a little bit. So you need, I believe, support of people that can help you when the grounds are shifting a little bit and we're moving to a new direction. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, let's, let's, I, I'd really be curious to know, like, what does an actual therapy session look like? Like, you know, I arrive, you know, I'm sure we've done an intake of some sort. Like, am I arriving at an office? Like how, like, am, am, are we sitting in a room for eight hours? Uh, like what, what does that, like, what does that look like? <laughs> to work with me, I work with people for a minimum of three to six months, which is my method of working people because working with people, because I'm really working from that nurse coaching perspective. So we're in an ongoing relationship, but the medicine session itself looks like this. We have, we already have known each other. We've done some prep work. I kind of know what you're wanting to work on. Um, the session itself takes place in a clinic. It's a, it's a psychotherapy office with a medical doctor on site. So it's actually, it's over a birth center, which I find just so yummy as a birth worker to be like, there's babies happening underneath this floor and we're having a rebirth in this room. So it's a, it's got a little couch. It's got a futon, uh, the medical doctor just makes sure you're medically cleared and ask questions because he's the prescriber it has to be prescribed because it's a schedule three drug in the States. Um, and then we determine what dosing we're going to work with. The first time I work with clients, we use lozenges or trochies, which we put in your cheek and you suck on them for about 10 minutes and then swallow your spit. It's a little gross, but, um, and then we can add more as we go through the process, just so you feel comfortable. We, we kind of know how they're working for you. Um, usually people just, we hang out, you lie down on the couch with a blanket and have a weighted blanket. If you want one, I have eye shades and the headphones. We have music. One of the lovely things about ketamine is it is such a relaxing medicine that people can just kind of let their bodies just sink and let their minds kind of wander, which is so good. It's also a lovely synergist with music. So if one can allow themselves to kind of sink in and listen to music can affect the quality of maybe what you visualize or what you're feeling. It can kind of be the, the co-creator in the session. So the medicine itself has its peak effects for about an hour. It, it's out of your system at anesthesia levels. It's undetectable in blood serum at 11 hours. So at these slightly lower doses, it clears fairly quickly. After the 
hour. Then there's this kind of softening landing from the medicine. It is an anesthesia. So if you've ever had anesthesia, you know, it can make you feel kind of corked out and a little wobbly. Um, but in that space is oftentimes a really lovely place to just be together, talk if needed. Um, as a nurse, I have a license to touch. So sometimes I'm just holding your hand. Sometimes I'm holding your feet and just being close and supporting whatever is needing. Sometimes people just need me to rub their back and just, you know, curl on their side and get comfortable. And I imagine that's therapeutic for somebody who like perhaps has experience with like panic attacks or, you know, anxiety. It's very difficult to feel safe. Mm -hmm. Right. And like given an opportunity in an environment where they know there's somebody there, there's a medical doctor on staff, like, and the effects of the med, like the effects of the, the drugs are working, like softening and allowing for you to have that like space and that buffer to just like feel what it would feel like to like, let go, I think would be, and yeah. that, and, and then the social connection, creating that yeah. sense of safety. For it to be okay to ask for what you need, you know, to be supported I mean, there's so much power in touch that's very, you know, it's consensual and agreed upon, but very, very powerful. So even just little connections in that way can be really, really therapeutic. So that's the first session. And then usually we'll spend some time integrating connect over that. In the future sessions, we do intramuscular injections of ketamine, which we've determined the dose from the lozenges. excuse me, and your response to the lozenges. But intramuscular ketamine is really fantastic because it's got a fairly quick onset. So we're able to get a little more bang for the buck right out of the gate. And people are able to have a more robust psychedelic experience generally. I find those sessions really lovely. That's the time that people can surrender the most to the music, um, work with whatever's coming to mind. A lot of the times my clients have created kind of an affirmation or mantra that they might want to drop in during the session because it does soften that rigid way of thinking. And I like to think of this as a great opportunity for for us to up-level our thinking. What do you want to wire in in this way? So that's usually the second and third. And then after I've worked with clients a little bit, they also can get a prescription for lozenges for home use. And so I'll teach people how to work with these at home as needed. It's not street value. It's not like something they're going to go sell to their friends. It's just um, people get to learn when they're starting to trigger maybe at home or they're starting to get red flags of when their mood might shift. So they can then take some time and do a bit of a reset, uh, which is really great to put healing back in people's own hands about what they need. Um, I'm sure there's going to be people wondering about like, are are there side effects? Like, is it dangerous? Because I mean, we are, you know, we're quote unquote sort of talking about what what people have used on the street, right? Like, so there's there's the kind of like street use and then there's like medical use. Like, are there like, are there things that people need to know? Well, for sure, I'd say. If you, if one is interested in working with ketamine outside of this type of context, I just would really like to encourage people to always test whatever they get. If it's any kind of drug, psychedelic or otherwise, please, please invest in getting it tested. I know of people that have 
thought they've purchased ketamine um, and it's actually ended up being fentanyl, which is mm, not really good. a bad situation, yeah. Yeah. not good at all. So um, crucial to understand that if you're going to do this on your own, to, testing is like the baseline thing that you need to do. But in a, in a therapeutic context, and I guess as well as a recreational context, please understand that ketamine does not mix with alcohol or benzodiazepines. Um, the main side effect of ketamine is that it's just, it's an anesthesia drug, so it can cause nausea and vomiting. That's probably the most common thing that we see. And it can be, um, people can use things like ginger, oftentimes is pretty effective to help with nausea, but we usually ask people not to eat beforehand for a couple hours just because of that effect. Uh, it's just part of the way that the drug works itself. Certainly, if you're recreationally using this, do not drink alcohol around it because for sure you're going to puke. It's not great. And benzodiazepines and ketamine are a really bad mix as well. So, well, the point is, is, you know, I don't think, well, again, I don't know that it's legal in Canada for recreational use. So like, you know, it's not. So, so, so people people might hear this and be like, that sounds great. I'd like to, does anyone have ketamine I can get? Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, don't do that. Don't do that. But if you're going to do it, harm reduction, please test your drugs. (laughs) But in a, in a situation with working in a therapeutic context, like there's some contraindications, uncontrolled high blood pressure is probably the biggest thing. Um, Just because one of the side effects is it does increase your blood pressure and your heart rate. So we check, we screen for that ahead of time. Um, and it's most, I could say primarily it's that nausea. Occasionally we see rare things like a laryngospasm. I've seen t- those twice in my career. What is that? That's when your, your larynx kind of starts spasming. Ah. It can affect people's breathing just because of their response to the anesthesia. And it's just super easy to fix. We just roll people onto their side and the airway clears. But that's why I think it's really important to be in a context with people that can assess you. So I have my eyes on my clients the whole time, especially with an injection to see if there's if something they're having any kind of reaction like that. And as I said, I've been in, I don't know if I said, I've been in over 300 ketamine assisted therapy sessions and only seen it two times in my personal practice. Yeah. So, I mean, the way that I think about it, I mean, like, this is something that I was like, I had learned about like in my anthropological studies in university right when we're looking at you know how different psychedelics were used by different cultures for different purposes but oftentimes it was in group you know in group or like ritualistic like there was people around you know what i mean like it was being used in a very specific and responsible way which i think you know you know recreationally dangerous because dosing maybe people aren't around like But in a therapeutic sense, you know what I mean? I think it can have really profound benefits when you have somebody who's trained and like helps you move through and work through different things and you're cleared medically. Like, you know, there's, there's like a, there's a specific way things are sort of done. Right. Sure. But I do want to say one thing. It's important. I think to, we talk sometimes in the psychedelic world about 
using psychedelics for the betterment of well people, which doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to be in the context of a therapeutic setting. And Mm -hmm. I think that quote, recreationally, recreational use can be beneficial for some people. I've done a lot of work, harm reduction at festivals back when we used to be able to do those. And I think those are some kind of community initiation rites to some degree. There's something about that ecstatic community that's able to really, can be really powerful for people. So, um, and I know different people are going to approach these in different ways. I, my intention and always my orientation as a nurse is to meet people where they're at and to help them learn how to be safe, safe first and foremost. Um, if someone is interested in working with psychedelics uh, outside of a therapeutic context, there are lots of ways to keep yourself, you know, to reduce, reduce the risk. Yeah. And to make sure that you have some support available and also to know what you're doing. Like some people, yeah. I've, I've worked at festivals where I had this guy show up in the medical tent that had taken six hits of acid. Like, why? You don't, I mean, did you want to watch the show? I mean, he was out of his mind. Some people right. just have a really difficult time, you know, like, uh, but I think when we, I think it's important as healthcare providers not to stigmatize people's choices around use yeah. because people, people use lots of things in different ways. And when I just never want to shame anybody. I want people to seek information so, so they can take care of themselves and know how to take care of their friends even, or their family. If their family and friends are, are doing some of these things, how might they do this in the safest way? Um, what red flags to look out for and yeah. ask questions of people that can help you answer them. And thank you for sharing that. Cause this is so outside my realm. Like I I'm like, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know anything. Right. So <laughs> So, uh, you know, so it's, it's, well, you know, outside of like, like studying from a different cultural perspectives and understanding that like the, that psychedelics were used to open up levels of consciousness to, um, especially with big, you know, big life transitions and how to move past certain things. So I, I, like, I, from like a study perspective have like learned about it, but I don't know anything about like on the ground kind of stuff. So that's why if I sound like I'm treading carefully with my words, it's because I don't know what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> like how do, you know, like, but that's just it. Like how do people talk about this without, you know, all the judgments and like what we hear on media and like what people's perspectives are on, you know, illegal drugs and like, you know, there's so much out there. So Yes. It's such, that is so important. And and I think where you're coming from is, is super important because I'm certainly not trying to be cavalier about this. I think they are powerful, powerful drugs and medicines or teachers or whatever we want to call them. And they deserve respect. And yet I think if people are interested in learning more about psychedelics, it's crucial to understand why they were stigmatized and how come Uh, they're, the thing that you're bringing up is there's a rich anthropological traditional use of a variety of, of consciousness shifting plants or medicines or rituals that we're, that's part of our birthright is to change our perspective and have expanded states of awareness. Um, but it, but they also may have been more secret rituals or they were overtly, taken away from us you know if anyone wants to learn more about it there's a fantastic book by Johan Hari called Chasing the Scream 
which I would strongly recommend. And if you're interested in trauma, I'd suggest his second book too, which is, um, what's his other book called? It's about depression and isolation. Anyway, if you look up Johan Hari, but learning how all of these drugs were stigmatized specifically really race about being racist in many, many ways and having control about mm. who had access to different ways of thinking. So I think it's important to know that part too. There's, there's a lot of history and there's a lot of um, like divide on how people think, you know, about the, how, about the use of these things. So I, I also want to like acknowledge that, you know, there are people who do not think that it's good and like, okay, cool. Um, like, but, and then there's people who are interested just simply in learning and knowing more. So um, sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I get that there's definitely people that have a perspective that they're not appropriate and that's totally fine. And yet for some people, it's the medicine that they need. Right. For people that are facing end of life distress, that have a cancer diagnosis and have a couple months to live. If their decision is to have a profound psychedelic experience, I want to hold them safely in that. It's showing Absolutely. to help them make peace with their experience and their impending place. Yeah. So. Well, here's the thing. Like, let's, let's chat about um, like life events where people may have experienced altered states of consciousness without the use of medicine. Like I can think of oh my, my birth. I had an unmedicated oh, yeah. birth. I don't know yeah, where I, like, it was a very sort of you were in, a different- in or out of body. Like it was both an in and out of body experience. It was a totally different state of being. I can't remember all of it. Like, so we actually, <laughs> we actually do have these moments of altered states of consciousness and we don't even mm-hmm. know that, you know, we've had them. I mean, think of illness too, right? High, high fevers. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's really incredible, actually. I think what happens is we get close to these portals of transformation and birth is a huge portal of transformation. And it's so incredible how consciousness is shifted there. I mean, you're bringing life earth side and the same portal opens at death. It's fascinating to be in the space of someone who's dying and to feel that portal open. Um, You've been at thousands of births and and births and (laughs) deaths sometimes at the same time. And just, I think psychedelics tap into that similar expansive space, but some of us might even reach as early back as spinning around in circles as kids. That's another way that we have expanded our consciousness. Um, What other ways? I think people can get there in dancing or having big Mm. movement activities, right? There's times that we can get. (laughs) How about mind blowing? How about mind blowing orgasms? Oh, 100%. 100% opening the portal for sure. For sure. Just just had to throw that in as a, you know, public health physio, right? For sure. I think that's really important. One thing I do want to speak to, though, if you don't mind, sure. my little personal, my personal thing, I like to really <clears throat> shift the language away from altered, altered consciousness, because to me, altered implies less than whole or not our normal baseline. And I would argue that expanded states of consciousness are our normal, are part of our normal human experience. They may be peak moments, but they, we have the capacity to have these experiences with or without medicine right with or without psychedelics we can have our awareness and our perception change dramatically like birth particularly like 
I was so present and so out. Mm. It was, it's just like such a dilation of, in my body, but also in my consciousness, right? So it's part of our birthright to have these experiences. I like that you said ways. expanded state of consciousness. And thank you for <laughs> like bringing that, you know, bringing that to the forefront because yeah, we think altered. It's like, I'm outside of like the norm. But like people we also call male dogs that are fixed, altered. Right. So they, they don't have yeah. nuts anymore. We don't want to think of that. Right. <laughs> well, no. And thank you for now making all of us think about that. <laughs> You'll never forget it now. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Clearly, we're going to go with the word expanded versus altered. Um, yeah. I mean. You can also say alternate states. Alternate states. Is yeah. Fine. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's great that, you know, we can have these discussions and begin to expand. And this is how we expand our knowledge base, just like we expand our consciousness. Right. So, so I'm learning things <laughs> all the time. Um, I want to talk about like how, how you do this type of work. Um, because I know you mentioned like you have a room and you have like one-to-one. So you, you're offering th- the therapeutic you know, treatments on a one-to-one basis, but then you also have group things and then there's online things. Can you tell us a little bit about, tell us a little bit more about your practice? About my personal practice. So yes, my personal practice has a couple different arenas to it. I have some one-on-one work that I do with clients that are needing to do ketamine-assisted therapy. I also have a group coaching program that is friendly to people that have had experiences with psychedelic medicines or have had expanded states of consciousness that might not be related to uh, a psychedelic. For example, one of my clients recently had a near-death experience. I mean, just wild situation. So the group program is a six-month program where we really dive into different facets of our life. We look at our relationship to our body to our community, all these different components, um, and really work on, I don't know, polishing them, I guess. If they're like needing a tune-up, we kind of tune it up each month and have a little focus group uh, and how we work on that and different different ways to work on that. Um, I have a year-long program, which are is very limited. That's just to clients I've worked with for a while that are ready to do deeper work. And we, that's a small handful mastermind group that we meet in person and we meet online. My group program is also online. And then I do have occasional one-off teaching and trainings. I have one coming up very soon. It's going to be called Mindful Journey. It's a psychedelic home use primer. So people who are looking at maybe working with ketamine lozenges at home or working with other things at home. It's to teach people how to have a safe and sane environment, how to get prepared for something to do this in a really mindful way. So um, if people would like to learn more, they can just text GG for guardian at the gateway, GG mind to 44222. And they can do that home use course, learn more about how to get a safe set and setting. But those are my primary things. It's a lot actually. (laughs) So, so who's, so, okay. So you obviously have like this high level mastermind for clients that you've been working with for a long time, but the group program, like who's that for? 
That is for people that are ready to make a shift in their lives. It's for people that are feeling really stuck. Generally, it's people who understand a bit of what they need to do or maybe have some practices in place, but they're just like can't take those steps to shift it or they can't make meaning of their experiences. So there's this kind of maybe ongoing depression or anxiety or this heaviness. But it works great for people that maybe already are in a therapeutic relationship of some kind. Maybe they're working with talk therapy or maybe they have a really robust yoga practice or some kind of thing that helps them feel uh, connected. It's also really the people that I love to work with are ones that are really curious. They might be stuck and they might be feeling depressed or anxious, but they're like, I'm over it and I'm ready to do what it takes to make a shift. So they're willing to bring in this sense of curiosity and they're willing to put in the work. They're willing to try new things and to learn how to evaluate them from a real um, I don't know, child's play place is where I like to think of help people learn how to do that. Um, Now with the group program, like the group program that you're talking about, like that isn't necessarily like, that's not, you're not, is the ketamine part of that or the ketamine is something different? Because there might be people who are like, yes, I love that, but I'm not sure I'm ready for like that part. Like, do they have to be in that? Do they need to do ketamine assisted therapy or is the group program more, the group program is not for people that are doing ketamine assisted okay. therapy. I just wanted the to clarify that, doing, that. Yeah. The group program is just for anybody that needs support. Yeah. Really. Okay. It's, it's really for people that are wanting to really refresh and renew their lives or might be going through a transformational experience. The ketamine folks that I work with have access to all the group material, but they're doing ketamine assisted therapy with me. The group program is and it's just its own container. I figured yeah. that was the case, but I I could imagine some people are like, I'd love to do that. That sounds really great, but I don't want to do the ketamine part. So I just wanted to clarify for those people who are like probably no, wondering no, no. that like ketamine the two is not things required. Are, <laughs> yeah, the two things. And it's are, not appropriate for everyone, right? Yeah. Ketamine isn't appropriate. The psychedelic experiences are not appropriate for everyone. Exactly. There's many people that I work with that are struggling. They what they need is community. What they need is accountability. What they need yeah. is people that can hold that vision of where they want to be. And like, I can see that with my clients and I believe them when they say they want to be this and like, well, let's get you there. So yeah, it's for people that need to have that connection. Lost Connections. That's the other book by Johan Hari. There you go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I knew it was going to pop in at some moment. That's why I, I didn't like pop in. Yes. press, press it too much. Um, where can people find you? Where can they learn more? I mean, you said the text thing, which we'll put that in the show Mm -hmm. notes because people are like, what was that number again? And what am I texting? We'll put it in the show notes, but anywhere else that people can find you, follow you, learn more. I'm on Instagram. I'm on clubhouse. I'm on Facebook. I'm on mighty networks. So people can look for guardian at the gateway. at any of those platforms excuse me and then my website is guarding gateways 
So it's a little bit different. G-U-A-R-D-I-N-G-G-A-T-E-W-A-Y-S. I'll give you, <laughs> maybe you can put that in the show notes too. It's okay. We're going to put all of the links. You'll send me the Instagram and everywhere, <laughs> everywhere people can find you, you'll send me the links and I'll pop them into Absolutely. the podcast. Can find me. Yep. I want to, you know, yeah. thank you very much for like coming on here to, you know, talk about this kind of thing. Cause I know there's more and more information coming out and people can probably more easily access information about these different studies. And my whole thing is safety, right? If I can give people like information, like, you know, people are going to talk about it. So like, let's talk about it in a proper, you know, proper context and a proper way. Um, So thank you for being that person who educated me because like, I don't know. So yeah. Well, I love talking about psychedelics. I think they're really fascinating and such a powerful tool for transformation and especially when held in a really good context. Yeah. So thanks love again it. for coming on the show. And of course we always awesome. want to, yeah. And I always want to thank our guests for joining us. Uh, if you're not subscribed, well, you should, because as you can see, we have very wide ranging discussions on this podcast um, and share it out. Cause you know, I, obviously this is a growing new area and I'm sure we're going to be hearing more and more about it. Um, so let's, you know, be sure to make it a safe therapeutic thing by having the right information so anyways on that note we will connect with everybody on the next podcast bye for now hey guys thanks for hanging out so as i mentioned at the beginning we have recently released a free mini training called how to work with labor pain to have a positive birth experience and in this mini training i take you through what pain is how labor pain is different than like an acute ankle sprain type of pain. I talk about the three different ways that you can work with pain. And then at the end, I actually teach three different ways that you can work with labor pain to have a more positive birth experience. If you would like to access this free mini training, you can go to courses.ecophysio.com dot com forward slash mini training or you can look in the description of today's podcast episode at the end of the description a link will be there for you to get the free mini training hope to connect with you there thank you for listening to living a better life podcast make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes we would also love to hear your comments suggestions and reviews thanks again until the next episode bye for now